why don't you just talk with the person beside you just for a second about what are the different reasons that you know that people celebrate Christmas? Um, I'll just give you a, a few seconds to think about that. Uh, and Luke is not the answer to this one, right? Uh, what are the different reasons that people celebrate Christmas? Okay, that's probably long enough. Um, I'm sure that we've got a few ideas. So what are some of the ideas as to why people celebrate Christmas? Show of hands again. Yeah? Because people enjoy a holiday. Absolutely. Why else? Presents. Uh, people enjoy presents. getting presents. And and maybe giving presents, yeah. Luke. Luke, yes, okay. You weren't listening, you weren't listening. Uh, why else do people celebrate Christmas? Prawns. Well, the food, prawns are good. Yeah? Other parts of the world, maybe um, they celebrate for other reasons, perhaps other food. Family. Family, that's a big one. And it's great to see so many families uh, here. Tradition, it's, it's kind of what we do. Uh, any economists here want to suggest why we celebrate Christmas? Keeps the shops open. Uh, I, I discovered the other day that I never quite knew what Black Friday was. But um, someone explained to me the other day, it's the first day of the Christmas celebration, uh, which of course has to do with buying things and giving things away. Well, there's so many different things, aren't there? The joy of singing together, the celebration of lights and putting things on a Christmas tree, the, the appearance of Santa and maybe his elves, um, all kinds of things behind how our society and how societies right around the world celebrate Christmas. Um, in fact, there have been some attempts to cancel Christmas. And uh, if you've been following the news, you'll know that they won't be celebrating Christmas in Bethlehem this year in the way they normally do. Bethlehem is normally a festive city at the time of Christmas. There's lights and pageants. And this year, out of respect for those who've been horrifically caught up in the war, there'll be no celebration of Christmas. And it's not the first time Christmas has been cancelled. Um, if you're English, uh, Cromwell decided that there would be no Christmas, and it didn't actually last more than a couple of years. If you're a Scot, Christmas was banned in 1640 and it wasn't resurrected until 1958. So um, you've just got to blame your Scottish uh, forebears if you're not particularly fond of Christmas. Well, why do Christians celebrate Christmas? And I guess there's a hint there in the word, isn't there? Christian, Christmas, it does have to do with Christ. Why do we celebrate everywhere all over the world, the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, my wife and I were privileged just recently to be overseas in the country of Sri Lanka. It's a very religious country, uh, mainly Buddhist, Hindus, Muslims, and some Christians, and yet there were Christmas celebrations everywhere. Why is it so prevalent? Why does it bring our world to a standstill? Why do we have this public holiday, and, and why does work stop at this time? And people gather together, they travel, they get together with family, they give gifts, they have trees, they celebrate wonderful food, and they share together. Why do they do it? And why do they keep doing it year after year after year? Well, I want to give you three reasons. The first is because it's history, 
The second is because it's extraordinary. And the third is because it's personal. And I want to introduce you from Luke's Gospel, first of all, to how it's history. Read with me these verses. And if you've got this little handout, um, you can follow along with what I'll be saying inside it. And those four verses from Luke are printed. This is how Luke starts. Um, Don't skip over the preface. The preface gives a lot away. And here it is. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Now, there's a lot of fascination with Christmas, and it's not just contemporary. There was fascination with it back at the time. Notice in verse 1, many have undertaken to draw up an account of these things. The news about Jesus was widespread. Uh, Had it been today, it would be in the blogosphere, it would be in the Twittersphere, it would be on Instagram, it would be on Facebook, it would be on TikTok, it would be on Twitter or X. It would be everywhere that you'd be hearing about this man, Jesus. And it would begin with his extraordinary birth, but we'll get to that. Luke himself is fascinated by the account of Jesus. And he has been exposed to people. Um, He's done his research. He knows some of the eyewitnesses. He knows those who've been passing on the message. He's not himself an eyewitness to Jesus, but he's close to those who were, and he's able to stand back and to take a look at what they have said about Jesus. You know, sometimes current affairs are not the best way to get a clear picture on what's going on. You get a window on the news, you you see something on Facebook, you you kind of get snippets and angles, but over time you get the full picture. And what we've got with Luke here is somebody who's close enough to be able to discuss things with those who were there, eyewitnesses and people who are committed to passing this on, but he's standing back enough to be able to take the full picture on board. And what he wants to do is to write it up clearly. Notice that he says he's decided to write an orderly account so that Theophilus can be certain of these things. Now, Luke is an orderly account. Um, It's interesting when you read biographies, sometimes they give a particular window into the person and what matters. I've just started reading a biography to read over the summer. It's called Surrender. Uh, It's by Bono. And the subtitle is 40 Songs, One Story. And he starts on a particular day, which is not the beginning of his life, because he's actually introducing us through the songs that he's written to different things that are happening, people that are important, experiences that he's had. It's not just walking through from birth to death. It's actually a lens on what things matter to him. And what Luke's doing is he does start with pre the birth of Jesus and he will go through to his death and resurrection, but he's highlighting these things that are important. It doesn't make it bad history. It means he's committed to letting us know some key things about Jesus. And you see, these key things, and amongst them are the extraordinary 
stories of the birth of Jesus are something that he wants Theophilus, whose name in the Greek, actually, well, it is a Greek name, it actually means lover of God, he wants him to know that these things are sure. So he's putting it down, not just for him, but for people right through history, all around the world and for us today. So you want to know what the beginning of Christmas was? You can read it. You can go back to the history. And if you were to go to ancient history departments in any major university in the world, they would treat these documents, like Luke's Gospel, as first-hand historical documents, primary sources to get to the heart of what it's about. You see, when you come to Luke's Gospel, it doesn't begin with once upon a time. It's not in a land far away. It's not in the magical kingdom of. It's actually an orderly account of a man that many saw and many spoke about, Jesus. Now, in particular here, if you were to read on, you'd read all kinds of things that can be tested. I, I know you don't have uh, Luke's Gospel in front of you, most of you, but this is the next verse, right? Verse 5. It says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. And it goes on to speak about him. It talks about Herod. It talks about a priest called Zechariah. It talks about where Herod is the king in Judea. And it talks about a particular group of priests. You come on to chapter 2 and you read this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. Now I'm not going to go into any details about this, but just in a few verses, it's mentioned that Herod was the king of Judea, it's mentioned that Caesar Augustus is the Roman ruler. You, you've got a census under a guy who's the governor of Syria called Quirinius. You read that Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth, which is in Galilee, and um, he goes to Judea to the town called Bethlehem. You can go to the Middle East and visit Bethlehem today. You can visit Nazareth you can look back in history books in the Bible and outside of the Bible and read about the Roman Emperor, the King of Judea. You can read about places and events and timelines and people do and people discuss it. Because what we're dealing with here is not simply a philosophy, a religion, an idea. We're talking about history and the reason that we celebrate Christmas has its origins in the birth of this child named Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem. But isn't that extraordinary? Because I reckon there were probably thousands of little boys born in Bethlehem. And we don't celebrate anyone else. In fact, we don't know about anyone else, pretty much. We don't know their names. We don't know what anyone did. 
and there's not been a worldwide movement advocating a holiday to celebrate any other boys from Bethlehem. So why this one? Well, that brings us to the second reason, because it's extraordinary. The account of Jesus is absolutely extraordinary. Extraordinary, extraordinary. In other words, this thing doesn't happen all the time. This thing has a particular place in history. And, and we see that in this preface to Luke. It says there, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. What does it mean to be fulfilled? It means that it was promised and now it's happened. It means people focused on it and said it would take place in the future and it's taken place. Particularly, it's highlighting the fact that the Old Testament, the first books of the Bible, said that one would come. In fact, it went so far as to say he would be born in Bethlehem. It said that he would be a descendant of David. It said that he would be the one who would be the Messiah, the King. He would be the one who would bring salvation to the people. And that's the one who we celebrate. We don't simply celebrate Jesus randomly. We, we celebrate Christmas, the birth of Jesus, because in the birth of Jesus, something extraordinary, something supernatural, something that connects to God takes place. You see, here is the divine intruding on his creation. Here is... God affecting the events of history. This is truly extraordinary. These things aren't random, they are transcendent, they are supernatural God moments. In fact, the, the children, when they read out the Christmas narrative, spoke and acted out the role of a particular character, in fact, many characters in the Christmas story, that aren't ordinary, that aren't what we might call natural. Angels. Angels. And I know there's a lot of fascination with angels today, but most people probably haven't given the time of day to think about angels. But the Bible does. L listen to these words. We, we can read here of the key role that the angel has. An angel by the name of Gabriel, goes to Mary, who, while she is a virgin, pledged to be married to Joseph, is told that she will be pregnant by the Holy Spirit and give birth to this child who will be called Jesus, who will become a king in the line of David, who will save his people, who will rule over a kingdom forever and ever. That's the angel's message. And not just one angel, but later the shepherds hear from many angels and they're told that today in the town of David a saviour has been born to you and he is the Messiah, the Lord. The angels, the whole company of heaven appear, praising God, saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. So there's a lot of characters in a typical Christmas story. And it can be very confusing. One of my, probably my favourite um, Christmas movie would have to be Elf. Um, 
Tell me if you know a better one. Someone suggested that uh, Jingle All The Way was better, but it was funnier the first time. Um, but there's nothing particularly historical about Elf. Yes, Elf is kind of extraordinary. Yes, it's, it's magical. Yes, it's a, a wonderful plot for a Christmas movie. But it's God entering into human history in Jesus that is the foundation for why year after year after year in every place we will continue to celebrate Christmas. Because Christmas is no ordinary event. Christmas is God bringing about something that is truly transcendent, something that is incredibly wonderful, something that is life-changing. And that brings me to the third reason. See, the third reason that we celebrate Christmas is because it's personal. There are a lot of things, aren't there, that make an impact in life. But the things that we truly choose to remember, the things that we celebrate annually, perhaps, are the things that impact us most closely. It might be a birth, and so we celebrate birthdays. It might be a death, and we're reminded of the lost loved one. It might be the occasion when she walks down the aisle and when he gathers her in his arms. My wife and I just celebrated 40 years of marriage together. I didn't forget the date. You see, there's something about personal occasions, things that impact us, that cause us to want to celebrate year after year after year. So why do we celebrate Jesus? Well, I think the answer is there in Luke chapter 2, verse 11. And I'll read it to you. I'll read it twice. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, here is the angel speaking to the shepherds. And listen to what the angel says to the shepherds. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. To the shepherds. Something is taking place on a cosmic scale, but it's for the shepherd. I think if the angel was here today, it would say, back at that first Christmas, a saviour has been born to you. You who are gathered here in Lake Cadai Primary School. You from wherever you come from today, and we welcome you, whether it's as far as, as Parks or Sweden, or Lake Cadai. Something wonderful has taken place for our sake. You see, this message from the angel is that a saviour has been born to you. See, God knows that we need a saviour. And Jesus is born to be that saviour. 
Christmas is a great thing to celebrate regularly. So too, by the way, is Easter. Because in a few months' time, we'll be reminded that the one who was born lived, grew up, and went to the cross to die. We call it Good Friday. Strange people, Christians. The death of the one who was born to save. Good Friday. It's good because he came to save his people from their sins and on his death, he does that. And of course, Easter Sunday, he, he's raised again from the dead. This is all one and the same message that's, that's encapsulated in God coming into our world through Jesus on that very first Christmas. It's historical, it's extraordinary, and it's personal. And so you cannot cancel Christmas for Christians. We will continue to celebrate this. I want to leave you with three, there may be more, but I can think of three reasonable responses to this message. The, The first is this, that is... If you know Jesus Christ already to be Lord, that is the ruler in your life, and Saviour, he saved you from your sins, then the right response is joy. Joy to the world. The King is here. The Lord is that King. And it's only right that we sing those praises, that we celebrate. Christmas is a great time for caroling, for singing the praises of Jesus, our Saviour. Joy is the right response. Gratitude, humbly thankful for what God has done for us in Jesus. Joy to the world, the Lord is King. But if you're not as persuaded as I am that this is historical, extraordinary and for you, There's another response, and I take it it's the reason that Luke wrote this account. See, he wrote for Theophilus an orderly account about the things that took place with Jesus so that he might know the certainty of the things that he'd been taught. And I want to encourage you, if if you're a little ambivalent, if, if you sit somewhat on the fence... If you'd perhaps call yourself a Christian, if you were contrasting it with a Buddhist or a Muslim, but you wouldn't necessarily say that you're a a born-again, one of those kind of hardcore, serious Christians, but you've not given up on it, you'd be interested in pursuing it further, then that's why Luke was written. Written so that you'd have certainty about these things. But you'll never have certainty about these things if you don't investigate them. And I want to encourage you to do that. A simple way you can do it, if you live anywhere near here, we're starting a journey tonight. We'll continue it on New Year's Eve. We'll keep it going Sunday after Sunday. And we'll look through this whole book of Luke, God willing, over the next year or so. We'll take a few weeks over summer and you can see what we're going to look at. It's on the back of your handout. And then we'll look at a few other things and come back to Luke in third term. 
If you're unable to do that, then let me encourage you to get a copy of Luke's Gospel. Now, the easiest place to find it is in the Bible. If you've got a whole Bible, then you've already got Luke's Gospel. If, if you're not sure that you have a whole Bible, or if you do, it's, it's a bit dusty in an old English kind of format, we've got some brief versions of just Luke that you can take, and they're on the table at the back of this room. Also a little booklet about Christmas. They are our gift to you if you will seek to check out these things. But friends, there might be another group here. And there might be some of you who know these things to be true, but you've never made them personal. You, you believe these things about Jesus, but you've not actually taken on board the implications of what that means. You see, the, the song that we sang before, Joy to the world, the Lord is King. The next verse says, Let earth receive her King. Have you received the King? And the next verse says, Let every heart prepare him room. Is there room in your heart for Jesus? Have you responded personally to God's personal gift in Jesus to you? Because if you know these things to be true and you're just putting it to the side and, you, and you're leaving it untouched, it, it's a little bit like that present that was placed under the tree and never unwrapped. And it's still there, waiting for you to unwrap. So friends, whether you know this to be true and Jesus is your saviour and Christmas is a time of joy or whether you are unsure and it's the beginning of a journey to explore the certainty of these things, or whether today ought to be the day to make this personal. 